This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Welcome, friends, to Podcast Unlocked, IGN's weekly Xbox show, episode 545. That would be a palindrome. I love those. It's May 24th, 2022. Joined, as always, this week by Miranda Sanchez. Hi, Miranda. Hi, hello. Welcome, everyone. Stella Chung, how are you? I'm good. Excited. We have lots of news. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be a fun chat this week. Uh, I'm Ryan McCaffrey, of course, and joining us, making his Unlocked debut, Luke Lore, who does his own Xbox podcast in the Xbox, Xbox community, the Xbox Expansion Pass. Luke, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Surreal to be uh, in this part with you guys. It's a pretty neat treat for me. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, now you can see all the sort of messy piles of clutter behind the curtain as we <laughs> as we you know try to put this thing together. It's like just don't don't look back here. We just just see the see the final polished product. But uh, no, it's great to have you. You've been emailing me for a while. You've been listening for a while. And uh, yeah, had the empty seat since, you know, Destin doesn't seem to want to work. He just wants to vacation for the rest of his career. So, you know, we'll bring in more guests and (laughs) happy to have you, Luke. Uh, And and I want to start, let's, this is actually the first time you and I are talking face to face as well. Uh, We've emailed, but so yeah, I'm as curious as anybody else. I, I would love to hear a little bit about yourself, a little bit about Xbox Expansion Pass and kind of just a quick background on your history with Xbox. Oh, goodness. Okay, lots to unpack there. Uh, (laughs) Of course, my name is Luke Lore. I host the Xbox Expansion Pass, which is a a weekly podcast dedicated to kind of the goings-on of the gaming-verse as it impacts the Xbox ecosystem. So if there's relevant news that impacts Xbox, uh, I like to discuss it. It is a solo show, so it's just me on that show. But uh, 132 episodes in, I've had roughly 75 industry guests, from voice actors to developers and journalists, uh, this past two days ago at the time of this recording, Ed Freeze was on, which was really exciting. Um, voices like Lauren Lanning and Brian Wagner of Crystal Dynamics have been on. And, uh, and then I get to spotlight different games by bringing on actors. Jeff Steitzer was on two weeks ago. Uh, the voice of God from Halo. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And, uh, I like to bring them in to share their experiences in the gaming industry, not unlike unfiltered Ryan, um, but to share their experiences and. Uh, teach us what their impressions are about the gaming space and, and their experiences. And so that's XEP, which is uh, uh, just a, a hobby craft of mine. I'm a teacher by day and um, podcast in my free time. And I just, I enjoy talking to people from all around the gaming industry as they let me. Love it. How long have you been playing Xbox? How far does your Xbox uh, history go? Oh, goodness. Okay. So uh, I don't know if I'm embarrassed or proud about this, but when I was in college, I saw this uh, little title called Gears of War. Uh, like many people, saw that Mad World trailer and I had to have it. Uh, but I started raking leaves for professors and selling plasma to try and afford an Xbox 360 in the days where the 360 was still uh, having the heat issues, like the, the bricking and such. This was a, a long time ago, but uh, it started a wonderful journey. I'd been gaming on other platforms since, but that's what brought me into the Xbox world. And I have never once looked back uh, having loved Gears of War and fallen in love with uh, any other number of of Xbox properties, visiting different Halos, uh, traversing the Sea of Thieves, and and any other number of, of things, it was a great journey for me thus far. 
Oh, I love it. Well, Cena, you're mixing games, though. You just said Great Journey. That's a Halo. That's actually, it's a good segue into our next topic, which is the Halo <laughs> TV show, talking about Great Journeys. Uh, but what, I know that some people out there either haven't caught up on all the episodes of Halo now that season one is done, or you're in a country. I heard from a few people like, ah, we can't see it in our country yet, so please don't get into spoilers. But season one is complete. Uh, Miranda, I know you're not quite caught up yet, but the rest of us are. So just brief kind of top level impressions. It's It's been, we've checked in a couple times. We checked in after the first two episodes. We checked in at mid-season. And so it's only fair to do another check-in here. Uh, Luke, I'll start with you. Kind of just what is your quick, spoiler-free overall impression of Halo Season 1 on Paramount Plus? Uh, having the context of seeing the show start to finish, overall, I, I think the show was good, not great. Some incredible high points in the series, uh, some frustrating lows, for sure. Um, but that last episode, which we, we won't spoil, of course, uh, gave me great promise for, for seeing something that uh, I think they were working to build for, and I'm really excited to see where season two goes. I enjoyed the show, and I have found that my friends who are not Halo players have really enjoyed the show as well. And then it gets a bit more controversial the more familiar you are with the games. I mean, as always, right? Anytime anything's adapted from something else, that's uh, that's gonna happen. Right. I would have to say I agree with you. I, I came, I started, I think I've, my feeling about it has overall uh, come up since the beginning. I, I kind of went on a little bit of a roller coaster ride with it, but I'm coming out of season one feeling pretty good about it and I'm I'm optimistic about season 2 and and looking forward to seeing, you know, how the story picks up from where it left off again without spoiling anything and to see if some of the major Halo events uh that we have seen it play out in the game universe uh, also fleshed out in the books does sort of come to fruition in the show in season 2 and if it does what for whether they make any changes in what form that takes Stella, where did you land with season one? Um, I think, yeah, it's it's fine. It's not great. It's fine. Um, I think it's fine on its own medium. I'm more interested in what's going on with Kai, honestly. Like, uh, Master Chief is not the focus of the show for me. For me, I feel like it's all the other side stories that are more interesting to me, uh, which obviously not going to go into spoilers and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's fine. I don't. Feel, I feel like there are better sci-fi shows out there, but it's it's. Fine. If you enjoy action, if you enjoy um, convoluted stories, I think this is a good one, especially for season one. We don't know how season two is going to go. Uh, so very interested to see how the storylines uh, pan out, which I was actually on uh, the the Halo Declassified after show. Um, and I was on an awesome panel with a bunch of people. Uh, we talked about representation and diversity in the Halo show, which they do fantastic. They, it, it's great. Um, I talked about the Korean culture being represented really well uh, in, in the show, which made me very happy. Um, but yeah, story-wise, it's like, mm, let's see. Hopefully season two, you can, now that you get got the whole setup of season one done, hopefully season two can delve a little bit further into like actually exp expanding storylines. So that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's that's uh, I see where exactly what you're saying there, and and I, you know, before the season had started, and I, you know, I'd promoted this back at the time. I had, I did a roundtable discussion for the back for the IGN mm -hmm. Expo in February, with most of the main cast, along with uh, some of the the director and the showrunners, including Kiki Wolfkill from Three Four Three, and I had asked like, well, what's how many seasons are you guys going for here? Is it is it you know seven because it's Halo and 
And I didn't get a straight answer for that, but Stella, do you get the sense that, that this definitely feels like it's they're they've got a, a pretty long arc in mind? Um, I I would say if they have seven, yeah. But the thing is, some of the storylines were really fast. Like in the first three episodes, we saw some storylines expand really quickly, and you're just like, oh, that was we could have had a slower burn on that but okay all right so it feels like they're just finding i don't know at least, at least from season one it feels like there's a lot of footing that is being uh felt out right now so i don't know i honestly i don't think i could tell you anything until i see the first few episodes of season two <laughs> yeah yeah luke do you get any sense of how long you think that they might be trying to plan this for i don't in fact the pacing i felt was all over the place with different storylines with different sub characters uh, to Stella's point, I really liked what Kai was doing, which for anyone who doesn't know, that's the one who you've seen in promo shots with the, the pink hair. Um, I liked what they're doing with her arc. Uh, Quan Ha's arc seems to be very separate in some way going on through the course of the season, and, and I have questions about that. But it's really hard to get a sense of where they want to go at this point. Sometimes these things coalesce, and then they're very easy to look back on and say, I see where they're going, I see where they're going, I see where they're going. But I don't get a sense of that. And there were moments where, as any show, you would have various twists and stuff. Some stuff was telegraphed so far out, it was very easy to see. Others, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure they earned that moment. Um, but what my hope is that season two uh, brings with, with everybody a sense of clarity for what Silver Team truly means in the Halo pantheon of discussions and, and what they're trying to do. Who's going to be the main focus and how are they going to tell the story of of their halo because by the end i enjoyed silver team it was hard because i was where's blue team you know and and that was a tough thing to get <laughs> well where are any other spartans right we don't see any other other than wood uh, um uh Bo woodbine's um i'm blanking on his Soren. name now soren that's it soren 066 yeah he's the only other one that we even see i think it'll be interesting to know we we uh, well i've i've heard this and please uh, fact check me if need be. I believe the, sh the showrunners and the people working on season one are not going to be working on season two. But we often see with shows like this that the budget and the materials and, and the resources put into season one benefit season two. And then the added budget allows you to do more. So I would expect we see more Spartans, maybe the next class or the next stage. Uh, and I would love to see more because I, I want to see more Soren. I really enjoyed... Uh, Woodpine's character, and I, I like him as an actor as well. Yeah. Um, I, I want to see more, and uh, the Spartans are just so cool. In their moments where they were truly Spartans, it was cool. It was real cool. Agreed. Yeah, and and yeah. so who knows? I mean, a show could get canceled at any time, right? This show is renewed for season two. There's no commitment from Paramount Plus that's been made public longer than that. But yeah, you kind of wonder, like, oh, I wonder if they're just if they have a, a long-term arc in mind or if it's they're just kind of looking at it more season by season. I mean, of course, you have to look at it season by season, but if there is a, a bigger plan for it, we'll see. But yeah, it's, uh, we'll have to, have to wait, and wait for season two whenever that's going to come around. But for now, uh, we'll let Miranda and everybody else get caught up on season one and, and hopefully uh, it, it's onward and upward from here. Uh, on this note, real quick, if you are caught up, I am going to be hosting a Twitter Spaces chat with Pablo Schreiber, who plays John, Master Chief, with Natasha McElhone, who played my favorite character, my most compelling character in season one, Dr. Catherine Halsey, and Jen Taylor, of course, plays Cortana in all things Halo. Uh, I'll be on Spaces with them 
tomorrow. That's Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. So uh, follow the official Halo TV series account for that. And I'm sure if you're already following me, you'll be able to link to it through that as well. Let's get on to the news and to our big topic this week. So admittedly, it's kind of a quiet-ish news week. No like big headlining, huge thing we want to talk about. So instead, I thought I had this thought. I, I mean, the one reason I love walking my dog is, I mean, it's there's a lot of reasons. It's exercise, it's getting outside, the dog's happy. It is great time for me to just think too. I love, I love dog walks for so many reasons. And a, a train of thought that I just started wandering away on uh, this past weekend was the 360 and specifically the three month window between late August and late November of 2007, I started thinking, wait a second, that was, that was Halo 3, that was Bioshock, that was Mass Effect, that was uh, Call of Duty 4, Rock Band. So then I got home and I was like, wait a minute, I need to look further into this because this, there were, I think there was even more than this. And, and, and I got to thinking, wait a second, is this the greatest three month stretch for any console ever? I mean, this is we're talking about some Hall of Famers here. So I want to get everybody's reaction. So here, let me give you the let me give you the list. So admittedly, these are I'm cherry picking the dates a little because I'm starting with Bioshock, August 21st, 2007. And then if you go exactly three months out to November 21st, it encompasses that's where uh, Mass Effect 1 and Rock Band came out. But here you go. For the 360 in this three-month window, just Think about this for a second. How all these games came out in a three-month span. Halo 3, Bioshock, Mass Effect, The Orange Box, and uh, those are all exclusive, by the way, because even Orange Box didn't come to PlayStation 3 for another uh, two or three months. And when it did, it was actually kind of messy. That was if you go back and, and look into that. So, uh, I mean, I'm not going not gonna, to, you know, Hold that against them, but it was a temporary exclusive in that window for Xbox. But also, you have uh, so Call of Duty Four, which was you know a, a juggernaut of a game, and that was what took Call of Duty from big game to the biggest thing in the industry. Rock Band was in there, and this this was of course, I mean, Guitar Hero, the the music game craze had been building and building, and then here comes Harmonix, the people that started it all. Uh, with this four-player full band game. And even we could throw in one more exclusive into that window, Project Gotham Racing 4, an excellent arcade-ish racing game. So there's there's more I can say, and I'll I'll go through a few more. But just that group. Luke, let me go to you first, because you you came in, you you, you jumped into the Xbox ecosystem, very early on, in fact, right before this, mm-hmm. you said Gears of War was your your game. That, of course, came out at the very end of the first year, and we're talking about here the tail end of the second year mm-hmm. of the 360. What do you remember about this era? What did you play all these? Which ones were your favorite? Go ahead. So I did not play all of these. Uh, I only played a few of them because of, of time. Like I said, I was in college, but uh, I jumped into Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. Uh, one Call of Duty 4 and that and Rock Band occupied my gaming life 
It was it was absurd the amount of time I was putting into them. In fact, I am a diehard Halo fan now. My room, expanded beyond this camera, is adorned with Halo. Uh, but it wasn't until Halo Reach that I even got into it. I missed the joy of Halo 3 uh, in its limelight, which is interesting. And thanks to the Master Chief Collection, I've been able to go back. But I played so much Call of Duty 4. Uh, I absolutely fell in love with, with that particular game. I tried Mass Effect at the time, and it did not click. Uh, and to my great shame, Ryan, uh, and I'm so sorry, <laughs> I've never been able to get into Mass Effect. And I love sci-fi, Star Wars, Star Trek. Right, I love it all. Fair. Uh, but I, it's one of those gaming gaps that we all tend to have. There's yeah. always a franchise or two. Mass Effect. Sure. Are you my... more of a Are you more of an Eastern RPG guy, JRPG guy, or just not much of an RPG player at all? I would not say I'm much of, a, of an RPG player, but there are some that have, have absolutely snagged me. Elden Ring, The yeah. Witcher, and a few others. Um, but it just... Uh, it, so it's more of like the fantasy side that you go to. So like, we, we talked about this before too, right? With like Mass Effect versus like Dragon Age, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like when I first picked up Fallout, I was like, this is, this is for me. But then I went to Skyrim and I said, I should just go play Fallout. So yeah. <laughs> I think that happens with a lot of people as well. And it's odd because my my primary interests are sci-fi, and mm -hmm. and that's the oddest part about it. But Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Four, and uh, it's not on the list, but uh, Ace Combat Six: Skies of Liberation was in that window as well. I did go look up the window to make sure I wasn't missing anything. What was I playing then? You know, what was yeah. I playing? And and uh, that one stood out to me as well. But I what a, what a what a window of a time. What a year of games. Two thousand seven was absurd and. I mean, it was the year of Crackdown 1, if you guys remember that one. And, sure. and that was revelatory in the time and uh, not in that window. But it it was also cool because there wasn't uh, YouTube punditry or Twitter punditry on everything. And so I was finding out about games by going to the store. That was right. how I was learning of things. And that was a cool feeling. Well, you should have been reading official Xbox magazine, Luke. <laughs> Let's just make that clear. <laughs> right you're right. Now. You're right. But you're right, though. No, I, I totally get what you mean. Like, there wasn't that sort of instant uh, judgment and instant either, you know, hype wave or backlash wave. You just, it was a more slower build, kind of a more organic thing with your friends, right? Mm -hmm. Just like, oh, have you heard about this? And what, are you playing this? So I totally get what you mean there. Miranda, what do you remember about this group of games and this, this window of time? It's funny because I was still in high school at this time and still pretty young. So my access to games is rather limited. It's kind of based on like pocket change that I had saved and was like, mom, can I have this game? And there are very few games at this time. I think this is about more when I was a little bit more adamant about getting games at launch. Like prior to that, it was basically only Zelda games and like handheld games. Um, I was really into like G4 and Game Informer. And so like, that's all the things that I watch. I watch E3 every year, but getting new games is a little bit more of a challenge. But by that time it was like, all right, well I can do more chores. I can like earn some more money. Um, this is just before I could actually start like working. And this was, I think one of the years where I was very adamant about getting new games. Um, I remember seeing previews for Bioshock and I just like lost my mind. I was like, I need this game. Um, I also really loved Halo already by that time. It was kind of funny because at my school, we were very much like, a, are you a Call of Duty person or are you a Halo person? And I was like, I'm a Halo person. So <laughs> I actually miss Call of Duty 4 
because it just wasn't like we had it at home. I remember like holding it. So I was like, oh, I should try this sometime. And then I just put it away <laughs> back to Halo. <laughs> like that was just like the thing back then, um, at least at my school and how we, we kind of positioned it. So I played so, so much Halo 3. Like I love the campaign. I play that so many times through. And of course, tons of multiplayer. Like that is, I think, my biggest point when I got really competitive with Halo um, or just like first person shooters. Like that was my my entry, which is kind of sad because I missed Halo 2. Everyone's like, oh, the Halo 2, like the land part. It's like, we didn't get to do that. But I got Halo 3 and it was such a joy. And I didn't get into Call of Duty really until Modern Warfare 2. But with Bioshock, that was especially something very special and near and dear to my heart. Um, it's one of my favorite games. And so my twin sister, she also really likes video games, but she doesn't really like playing first-person shooters as much. And when we got Bioshock, she was like, I want to watch this with you. I want to watch you play this. You cannot play this until I'm watching. And so like, we would always set up, I was like, Sarah, come on, we got to play Bioshock. Come on, come on. And like, this is of course, like before, you know, Twitch and other things that were that was really involved. So like having her there and like always watching and playing and like us having like those conversations about the story. Um, I remember one prominent time like we were playing in a dark room and then there's this very prominent early jump scare where you kind of get shown on in the spotlight and like all of the splicers are kind of circling you and it's really scary. Like we were just like screaming. <laughs> I was just you know, you know like shooting all of them up and like getting my shotgun ready to go. My mom came and she's like, "What's going on? Are you guys okay?" And I was like. It's just a very intense game, Mom. Go away, you know? Like, we're trying to play. Um, but that's something I treasure a lot because it obviously made me go through the game slower, but it was such a special experience to, like, have that that with her. And, of course, like, with such a special game, too. Like, Bioshock is, is fantastic, guys. If you haven't played it, please, please play it. Um, and then I guess with the orange box, I remember I played a little bit of Portal at the time. That was one of those games that we randomly just had. I don't know if I actually had it in 2007, but we just had the orange box and I was like, Portal looks cool. And I never, I didn't finish it until I was an, like an adult, but it is, it is indeed cool. Can confirm. <laughs> um, and then for Rock Band, that was one of those games where I was like, mom want that. But my parents were like, no. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't cheap, you know, to get the no. get the instruments, get the kit. It was uh, certainly there was a, a barrier of entry, which I, I remember well. When you're in high school, that's not an easy thing. It's, yeah, uh, it's <laughs> that's when you go to your friends, you find the friend who has it, and you're just yeah. like, we should right. let's hang now, out. Before I move to Stella Miranda, I have to ask. So, if yeah. you, you know, I, I love the story that you and your sister were, were were insistent that Bioshock only happened together, even though it's a single player game. Mm -hmm. When you reached the twist. What was the reaction from the two of you? Um, Do you a lot of shock, for sure. I remember, too, <laughs> just being like, that was happening a lot. And also, I was like, Atlas, how could you do this? We loved you. We were cheering for you. We were sad for you. It's I don't want to spoil it for folks who haven't played it. But also, if you haven't played it, please, please, how is this not spoiled yeah, for you? It's been 15 years. This is the 15th anniversary coming yeah. up of a Bioshock. Yeah, just like the would you kindly line. Um, we were also very adamant about saving on the Little Sisters. We got the good ending. That was yeah. very important. Um, but that was just, and, and just what happens with Andrew Ryan, too. You're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, those I think were just good shocking moments where we just got to kind of relive that together, like look through all those moments just that we played. And so I was like, dang, this is so cool. Stella, what do you remember about this time and these games? 
Uh, so I checked. I was still in middle school. <laughs> Uh, wow. so, so old. Oh my god. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't play any of these games until later uh, in high school when I was actually able to go over to my friend's house. Uh, you know, they had uh, so a lot of my friends had uh, Call of Duty, so we would just play Call of Duty, which I was very bad at at the time. Which is funny now because I can wipe the floor with my friends now. So it's like, oh, how the tides have turned tables and turned, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, so yeah, I, I just remember um, just having like, uh, my friends would bring over their Xboxes and you know, they would set up these uh, uh, these parties and we would just play uh, Call of Duty against each other and it was so fun. So that that is like one of my earliest memories of, of this sort of era, just because in middle school, I was not allowed to go anywhere. I wasn't allowed to play games. So I had a very limited experience uh, at the time, but um, but that's why I love being able to play games now, because then I can go back and see everything I missed, like Bioshock. Uh, I remember being obsessed with the story. Like, I'd look up everything that I could about the lore and stuff, and being able to play through it now, I'm just like, oh, this is this is actually, like, intense. This is a thriller. This is horror. This is a horror game. Like, some parts of it are just like, I really need to have the lights on. Like, it's a little scary. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it makes me feel sad that I, I missed out on, like, this lovely era of gaming. Um, especially with like the release of halo and stuff like but again master chief collection great which is why i can like uh go back and experience all that stuff so yeah i don't know i feel like i'm the odd person out i didn't get to experience all the stuff <laughs> well yeah so as the resident old in the room yeah i was at official xbox magazine so this was like i was on you know on the front lines of this and it was it i will say my my memory of that time it isn't it didn't feel like this insane moment in gaming history at the time. It was just like, it was just, I don't know, it was, everything was good in that era of the 360. Every, like, everything was riding high, everything, all, we had all these great games, but, but boy, yeah, looking back on it with the benefit of hindsight, because you, know, you take the historical context of these two, I mean, Halo 3 in that moment was, we're finishing the fight, Halo 2, which itself had been this mega blockbuster had ended on, I won't even do it. I won't even be so nice as to call it a cliffhanger. Halo two just left us hanging. You know, there was no, it wasn't a cliffhanger. It was just like, Oh, we're just stopping this video game, which of course that story has been well told now about, you know, the, the troubled development of Halo two. But so Halo three was just, it was the first one on 360. You know, it did, it came, uh, two years, almost two years into the, the life cycle of the system. So it was, there was a lot of buildup for Halo 3 as Halo 2 continued to be this just massively played online multiplayer game. So Halo 3 was just this huge deal. That was in September, late September uh, in this window. As I said, Bioshock got it started late August 2007. And this is a game where, you know, it's become a classic it, at the time. It was obviously a new IP, and it was from Ken Levine and Irrational Games, who they were kind of this art house favorite, right? They were not a, a studio that had made these Call of Duty-like block, but you know they weren't Infinity Ward, and I don't say that with any judgment. It was just they they just had a different sort of vibe going on. You know, they had made. I mean, Bioshock is basically the spiritual successor to System Shock Two which Irrational did make. And so I think to Miranda's point, Bioshock did surprise a lot of people because, you know, they didn't really know what Irrational had done and was capable of. 
And here comes this just incredible story-driven first-person shooter. Uh, and just what a what a game. I mean, with with just one one whole thing, I mean, just that last boss fight that was a disappointment, but everything else about that game was just near perfect. From I mean, the art deco, uh, art direction was oh, just chef's kiss. The so music. good. Everything. The music is so good. The music's good. so good. Yeah, everything about this video game. The big daddies and the little sisters. And then you go to Mass Effect. Okay, so Mass Effect, again, in this moment, had been hyped so much. It was this big, here's Bioware, just going all in, 360 exclusive. Microsoft didn't own Bioware, and at the time, neither did EA. Bioware was an independent studio, and they had partnered up with Microsoft to make this exclusively. Here was this, this new sci-fi. They were trying to make a space opera, and they did it. They actually did it as we saw over the course of the entire trilogy, but Mass Effect 1 was just, and it, Mass Effect 1 in the moment too was stunning to look at. It was an, based on Unreal Engine. It was an incredibly beautiful next generation game. Now, the frame rate wasn't amazing back in 2007 on the 360, but it was good enough for a role-playing game. Uh, and, and of course, you know, you have the now classic elevator rides that took forever, but this was just like nothing... <laughs> Nothing had ever felt like this game. I mean, it really was, it did successfully feel like a space opera. And it just, and we knew that like they had mapped out, like we're doing three of these. You're going to be able to carry over your character and your choices. And so this was, this was incredible. This got a 10 out of 10 from my, from official Xbox magazine. Our uh, former managing editor, Paul Kurthois, shout out to Paul. He reviewed that game. Uh, Halo 3. We had, I believe, uh, our editor-in-chief, Francesca Reyes, reviewed that. Though I did get to go to Bungie and play it. Uh, I was one of the first people to play it, which is always fun. That's cool. Bioshock. Uh, boy, I don't remember who did Bioshock for us. but And then you get to Orange Box, which is just like... Portal, as you mentioned, Miranda, was the standout. But, but Orange Box also brought Half-Life Episode 2 which had was new, like no one had played it at that point. Half-Life 2 and Episode 1 had come out previously on PC, and it bundled, and of course Team Fortress 2, but Episode 2 and Portal, but, but Episode 2, like, you talk about cliffhangers, <laughs> the ending of that, if you've played half, all the Half-Life games, was just like a, like a jaw-dropping moment of like, oh my god, what is going to happen now? <laughs> so you had that that incredible achievement as well. And then you get to Call of Duty 4, which again is just this this uh it sent it sent it from hit series to absolute into the stratosphere blockbuster game, brought it to out of World War II and into the modern era. And you know, what what can you say that hasn't been said about about that? And then of course Rock Band, as I said, that just there'd never been a multiplayer game like Rock Band. I mean, we'd all already gotten hooked on Guitar Hero. And here comes Rock Band from the originators of the genre. And it was just, it was just incredible. And then, all right, so real quick, let me, I'll get your thoughts on this next batch. So there's that, I would argue, those are all Hall of Fame games. All like first ballot Hall of Famers. If we had a video game Hall of Fame and, you know, it had to be like 10 years after it comes out, then we, then you're first eligible to vote. You go on the ballot. Halo 3, Bioshock, Mass Effect, Orange Box. Call of Duty 4 and Rock Band probably all get into the Hall of Fame on the first shot, if you ask me. And so, but then you just go to the second tier of, again, still in this three-month window from August 21st, 2007, 
to November 21st, you have Project Gotham Racing 4, excellent racing game exclusive. Of course, that was a Microsoft first-party game. But how about a few more? This is, again, in that second tier. You had Assassin's Creed 1 hit in that time. You know, that the first one was very well regarded, but really 2 took it to a new level. Uh, you had Undertow, which was an excellent Xbox Live arcade game, obviously exclusive there. Guitar Hero 3, which sold huge. It was It's actually one of probably the second best-selling game on this list besides Call of Duty 4. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, but that game sold huge, but I, I would argue it's not as good of a game as Rock Band is, but still a huge game. And uh, two more exclusives, talking about RPGs. Miranda, I don't know if uh, you played either of these, but Blue Dragon, another, that was like, a, that was Miyazaki, or not Miyazaki, who's, um, who's the Final Fantasy guy? The creator? Um, I can blanking see out. his name. Yeah, the audience no, is, he... gonna, is gonna rake me over the coals for, for blanking out on this, but uh, you had, it's Miss Walker Studios, I'll remember that much, but Blue Dragon came out in this window in the United States. And another uh, JRPG, highly regarded, that was a, at the time, it was a timed exclusive on Xbox, Eternal Sonata, which was a great game too. So, I mean, of that group, of that second tier, Luke, did you play any of those? Do you have any memories of those games? Yeah, absolutely. I checked out Assassin's Creed like so many other people. Uh, I, I liked it. I liked elements of it, but I think it's pretty well documented that Assassin's Creed 2 expanded on what went well. Um, but I liked it at the time. It was really cool to just see what they were doing with it. Guitar Hero 3, to me in my mind at the time, Guitar Hero and Rock Band were synonymous. I didn't really distinguish between the two. Uh, and then Blue Dragon was this really cool experiment that, again, this was my these were my college years, so my time and funding was narrowed, I think. Um, it wasn't as expansive as, I, as it certainly is now. But it was like one of those like, oh, cool. All right, that's awesome. They're doing that. But I never actually picked it up, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you there. Stella or Miranda, any, any from that group that, uh, that, that have a place in your heart? Uh, I had the biggest crush on Altair from Assassin's Creed 1. So, yeah, that one. Is like I actually uh, he was like one of the first video game characters that I, I hand drew because I was like oh he's so cool he had that like little lip scar too I was like yeah he's he's my he's my video game husband anyways yeah that's that's my connection <laughs> that was your middle school years yeah man when I would hardcore cr I mean I still have this problem where I hardcore crush over fictional characters it is a problem but you know what it's it's okay I full lean into it <laughs> Stella I teach middle school and have for ten years. It, it it's a it's an age thing it still happens they still do oh, that. oh yeah no I, I work in video games you think i'm escaping this no <laughs> <laughs> but this was i mean we're watching footage of it now if you're watching us on video if you're if you're so listening cool. on the podcast uh just the uh, podcast feed we're watching some some old gameplay footage of this and i mean this this was very new and very next gen at the time too where you just you had these huge crowds of people that you'd kind of blend in with and wander through and these stealth elements. 
Yeah, you could just randomly shove people in I the know, back. You're talking about you're... stealth and he's just shoving <laughs> yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, so for, for our audio listeners right now watching the footage, and you see him first just like gliding through, you know, gently pushing people out of the way, and now they're just full on like shoving people. <laughs> it's just escalating. It's great. Oh my god. <laughs> it's, it's funny watching this and then looking at some of the more modern games, or even the games that took place just a few years or came out a few years later. And to me, I jumped to Arkham, one of my favorite game series of all time. And the idea of blending in, using stealth, whatever that means for the time, and then having near full traversal across a vertical world. Uh, I mean, this game paved the way for so many other uh, big and small titles later on. We, when people were able to see just what you could do with verticality in an open world environment, it opened the doors to things that uh, I don't think we often give Assassin's Creed credit for. Yeah, well said. No, you're absolutely right. This really did open the door for a lot of stuff. And, and it was an excellent game in its own right. Um, my memory of it is if you play four hours, that's like you've seen everything. It's, it, it's a 12-hour game, but it's kind of, you know, you don't, you don't really do anything new after four hours. It's sort of it's a four-hour gameplay loop. Not that that's bad. Yeah. But that, I played this... Oh, go ahead, I was just saying that's where Assassin's Creed 2 really kind of mm. rectified that situation, but but excellent game. Yeah, Miranda. Yeah, I, I played this well after the fact after it was out. I was like, oh, I should try these games. And I probably lost interest around the four-hour mark. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll come back to this later and just never went back to it. Like it was cool. It was definitely novel when you first get into right. it, but then it sort of wears off a bit. And then the whole, you know, the whole cool like top layer story or i guess you could say under uh, under layer story of oh it's in the future and you're in this like you know machine and this is all sort of a dream type thing and that it's what's funny is they ended up kind of they ended up walking away from all that entirely and and it's and if you look it's assassin's creed is has really evolved and changed a lot i mean it's it's effectively unrecognizable now to what it was and and not in a bad way like it's it's changed and it's a it's its own it's a new beast that's excellent on its own now and it's in its present day form so um yeah that's uh assassin's creed definitely a big one in that list and uh and then i guess i'll i'll close this by by again saying i challenge anyone to come up with a 90-day window for a single platform that's better than that. I mean, I'm not trying to make it like a fanboy thing, but it was just, if you had a 360 in that window of time, it was, it just rained Hall of Fame games from the sky. It was unbelievable. We've never seen anything like it. And then if you widen this still in the same three month window to, uh, to all platforms, other games that came out, Notable things on uh, the PlayStation 3, you had Uncharted Drake's Fortune, arguably, you know, kind of the start of probably really the start of PlayStation first party as we know it today. Great game. On the Wii, we had uh, one of my favorite games of all time, and I think one of the top three greatest Mario games of all time. Super Mario Galaxy was in this window too which is wild. Uh, and then if you had a, a very well-equipped PC, <laughs> Crisis was in this window as well. So 
it was just nuts this this moment in time it's i don't know if we'll i hope we see something this good again at some point in the future but it is crazy to look back on this this 90 day window in uh in the fall of 2007 it's just just great and if if any of these games that we've been talking about you never played i guarantee you they all on some level hold up maybe not visually and like okay rock rock band's the one on the list where i would say no you you'd want to go play like the most rock band 4 with that has the whole catalog and you know that's that's been iterated upon but the rest of these still hold up if you go play call of duty modern warfare the remaster campaign's still great halo 3 campaign and multiplayer in master chief collection still great bioshock still amazing mass effect 1 in the mass effect legendary edition Still amazing. Orange Box, utterly timeless. Every single component of it, still amazing. Um, I guess Project Gotham Racing 4, which again, was in that B tier. Uh, the B tier stuff maybe doesn't quite age as well, but but boy, that that top the one, two, three, for the, those first six games, they're just unreal. I will say, if, if you choose to play Bioshock on PC, save often, because that game crashes. Oh no! And you will lose hours of progress, oh, like God. I did. Don't make my mistake. <laughs> Was this the the Bioshock Collection, the remaster thing, Miranda, or the actual uh, original this, game? I believe this is a. I bought it standalone on Steam. Okay. So. Because there was yeah there was that there was that remaster last collection Again. last generation, which I presume had to have also come out for PC. So yeah, duly good note anyway. You know, good good warning to anybody that's gonna dive into bioshock uh in, let's see in here wanting to got... be... oh go, go ahead, ahead Luke. i'm sorry well i was just say in wanting to be prepared for this discussion i went and did some homework to see if there was any other window that could compete and Please. i don't think i can find a 90 minute day or a 90 day window that can compete but goodness gracious in looking at the the sophomore efforts uh in 2008 there were so many heavy hitters in 2008 that followed a great year in 2007 it it reminds me how spoiled I was of at the time and not realizing just how much quality after quality was happening. And these were the early days of Xbox Live Arcade even. Yeah. And you were getting great titles there. And so you were getting a good game in, in one of several places. Even if you were just an Xbox owner, you were getting a good game every month to talk about, to see, to try out. And uh, 2008 was, was perhaps not quite up there with 07. But 08 was pretty darn special. Left 4 Dead, I mean, is included in that. That was a, oh, what a moment. What a, what a time for that game. I mean, if you look to, yeah, you're right. If we widen this out, the first two, three, even three years, as you're saying, of the Xbox 360 were un unbelievable. Because the first year, you had Call of Duty 2 at launch. You had uh, Condemned at launch. You had... Uh, let's see, PGR2 at launch, I believe. And then you move forward. In the first year, you had The Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, which was such a radical technological leap. Still one of my favorite games ever. Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter, stunning yes. next-generation game. Uh, you had Dead Rising, which I would even argue gameplay-wise, we'd never seen anything like Dead Rising before. That was an exclusive. And you had Gears of War uh, mm -hmm. coming in at the end of that first year, which was just, 
again, we'd never seen anything like it. Certainly technologically, it was the prettiest game you'd ever seen at that point. And a third-person cover shooter had never really been done really well at that point. And it had a great story to boot. So, yeah, that was year one. And then year two, we just talked about even just the three-month window of it, but there's more. There was more in 07. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's incredible when you look at the the early part of the, the generation for the 360. It's uh, it's no wonder the 360 won that generation. There's If you look yeah. at it, it's like, of course it did. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you have a 360? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, just, I remember fondly memory, fond memories of uh, flicking the SD to HD and seeing a whole new screen show up. Those were the days where TV, you know, it was, you weren't quite channel threeing it, but you still had to make that switch to see something new. And it was a, a cool feeling. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I mean, the HD era was a big deal too. I mean, it's mm-hmm. going from, yeah, going from those four by three displays at 480 mm-hmm. uh, up to, up to 720 uh, on a wide screen. Like that was, that was a huge leap for games, which I would argue at least perception wise, I don't know about the actual math, but perception wise, would you agree was a bigger, it was a, it felt like a bigger jump than going from 1080 to 4k with the, with the Xbox one X and now the, the series X. Certainly. So absolutely. So I think it was just a hard jump. It wasn't quite as big as the, uh, eight to 16 bit jump. At least it didn't feel that way. Yeah. But 1080p. I mean, some of the games I play on my series X now I'll take 1080p for frame rate purposes, uh, versus a 4k screen or whatnot. So, uh, certainly as it felt like jumping from SD to HD, that was a, a really cool time. And I can remember again, this was that same window where I was raking leaves to, to buy everything from my professor or from my professors at a TV, maybe this big flat screen, you know, like, a flat screen TV that could do HD, uh, and it was, <laughs> it was very small. But I wanted to play Ace Combat Six in HD, Gears of War in HD. It was cool. Nice. Uh, speaking of HD, The Witcher Three has a next gen update. It's getting uh, prettied up for a seventh anniversary release. CD Projekt Red, who has uh, had quite the roller coaster ride of with between Cyberpunk and The Witcher over the last few years. They have tweeted out, let's make this seventh anniversary even better, shall we? We're delighted to share that the next-gen version of The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is planned to release in Q4 2022. See you on the path, Witchers. Uh, So this is, given the current state of of things with uh, Xbox party releases, i.e. there are none, which hopefully June 12th showcase will will fix in so, to some extent. Uh, the Witcher 3, this this port might get some serious uh, playtime this fall. Miranda? It could, yeah. I think people have been returning to Witcher generally just because of the Netflix show. Um, I know that's sparked some talks and like, oh, you know, actually I do like Geralt. So folks have been going to uh, the Witcher game just after having watched maybe the show for the first time and had never played the game before. I, I am curious to see how much folks are actually interested in this. Um, just because it's like, well, it's just a next-gen version, which can be really fun to like dabble in, I think, if you've played it before. Yeah. Um, or maybe if there are folks who really did also like Cyberpunk, like myself. Uh, <laughs> if there are out there. I know they're out there. Um, and they're like, oh, you know what? I really do want to play other CDPR games. Like, I just didn't play The Witcher. Uh, so maybe this is a good chance to get back into it. 
Stella, were you sketching Geralt in uh, in any notebooks <laughs> at any point? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I okay. So I played. I started playing The Witcher Three. Uh, very good game. I really liked it. But um, it, it's one of those games that was just so big that I got very overwhelmed. Yeah. And I took a break from it, and I never got back to it because I think I actually got. Um, I think early on, I don't think this is a spoiler because there's so many different kinds of creatures in in this game. Uh, I I got stuck at like a werewolf part and I was like, okay, well, I have to go level, but then I have to go all the way over here. I'm going to take a break. It's fine. Oh, I did summon the cow demon where like in this tavern, if you start killing the cows there, uh, if you kill enough of them, um, the game thinks that you're trying to exploit uh, one of their mechanics. So then like this, this demon thing that you can't really beat. And if you, even if you do beat it, he keeps coming back to kill you, uh, showed up. So that happened. Um, so it's a really cool game. And I'm glad that this might encourage other people to try it, especially if they haven't. And, you know, get the shiny new uh, next gen version, which is cool. But uh, for me, I'm like, this is fine. This is a great option for people. It's kind of like GTA 5 uh, with the, the remaster stuff. I'm like, that's fine. It's not for me, but I'm glad other people will enjoy it. So, yeah. <laughs> Luke, did uh, did this one? Did you miss this one at the time, or what do you, what do you think? Are you going to get back into this or get into it for the first time? I I did not miss. This. I I jumped in. I was on PS4 at this point and adored the game. I've picked it up since on on Xbox, and I started it prior to Elden Ring this year because it was in that phase where like I'm just ready for a fantasy game, but I didn't want to wait for Elden Ring. Uh, and so I started Witcher Three. It's so good. That game holds up. It's wonderful. It was neat going back to the game this year, having known Henry Cavill to now be Geralt, you know, and him convincing me that he is that character as well. Um, but then I, I I put it on hiatus until this this next gen upgrade kind of comes through because I'm anxious to play it again. It the storytelling in this game for anybody that hasn't played it is among the best writing I believe in any and all video games to date. I think it's up there in the top ten for writing uh, and. and in my mind, it's among the best three video games ever made. Uh, it's just that good to my way of thinking. And I, I'm so excited to see uh, what they're able to do with it. And my hope is that it doesn't make the mistake that, say, uh, the recent Grand Theft Auto remasters made. Or it doesn't make any type of, of mistake along the way. Because if they can keep the spirit of that game intact and only improve the experience, you've got another masterpiece game that somebody missed. And now gets a chance to go into for the first time. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I, I suspect that a lot of fans of the the Netflix show, as Miranda noted, will probably be playing this for the first time. And and uh, I think it's held up pretty well. I mean, this was 2015. It was IGN's mm -hmm. 2015 Game of the Year. So Not that long ago, seven years. Yeah, it's. But I, I, I do. I think this is going to hold up real well, Miranda. I'm. Uh, uh, or was it? Was it? Was it? Stella was saying that you. Yeah, it was Stella that was saying. You got a little into it, and then it was just like almost just yeah. incredibly. <laughs> I felt the same way. So if if it uh, makes you feel any better, I was exactly with you. I was like, I know I would love this game. I'm gonna start yeah. to play it, but it's it's almost like paralysis of by of choice. Yeah. Where it's just like I don't. <laughs> what well, I'm never gonna make it through this entire game, but I. So yeah, I want to go back to it. I want to get give it another shot. Um, but yeah, this should uh, this should be good to see in Q4, particularly since as of now we're uh, we're lacking in any big first party uh, exclusives. So keep this on the radar. We'll wait for a final release date on this, no doubt, as it gets closer. 
Before we roll out of here, though, we got to do our our uh, tried and true unlock block trivia challenge. Mahmoud from Yemen asks our question this week as I pull up the scores. Leaf uh, Miranda. <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, I do actually. I do have to take take note of the scores. Miranda at six points. Stella at four points. And yeah, I, I guess maybe I will have to just tally all the guest scores together. We got Kareem no. one. No. We don't, no. we don't want to compete know. against the collective pool of our guests as well. Too many brains. <laughs> true. There's a lot, a lot of brains on this list. We got Kareem at one. Cam has one. Our own Kat Bailey. She counts as a guest. One. Cicero has one. Uh, David Whitaker won. Fixer won. So technically the, the, the collective group would be tied for the lead if we end up going that way. <laughs> in any case, our question, again, from Mahmoud in Yemen is this. What was not a temporary in-house name? Again, nothing ever public, but this has all been discussed since. So some of these will, should hopefully sound familiar to you. What was not a temporary name given to Halo as Halo 1 was in development at Bungie? So uh, three of these were things that, that were like little basically project code names for Halo during its development at Bungie. Uh, one of them's not, so find the one that isn't. So we've got A, Armor, B, Monkey Nuts, <laughs> C, Blam, and D, Tank Man. So I'll go to our guest Luke here first. Uh, I know, you know, you, you came into things. You're a big Halo fan, but you came in in the, in the 360 era. I am. So uh, we'll see what you have, have to say here. Oh, goodness. Okay, my friend Ainsley Bowden will never, ever let me live this down if, if, I, if I get this wrong. Um, monkey nuts, blam, tank man. What was the first one? First one was armor. armor. All right, armor. Armor is the one I'm choosing. That was not a code name. I'm gonna go with okay. that one. All right, Stella, I'll go your way next. Damn it! I was also looking at that. Um, because I feel like monkey nuts is just funny enough that, of course, I feel like I feel like if it was just an internal thing, I, I think it definitely could have been used. It's a bungee move, right? It feels like I, a bungee joke. I, like. <sighs> Oh my god. Um Tank Man could also have been used, but I don't know. This is a tough one. It Why is. are people so good at making trivia questions? Can they not? Can they not? Uh oh my god, okay, okay. I'm gonna go with C. I'm gonna be different. Okay. I'll go with C. Lamb. Lamb. All right. Miranda, how about you? What do you think on this one? Bungie is great at naming things, whether it's funny or just a smart name. And I think armor is too simple, so I'm going with armor. All right. Well, Mahmoud, you have stumped everyone. Oh. The answer is Tank Man. The, no. the yes. other boring one. Yeah. Armor, Monkey no. Nuts, and Blam were all real things that Halo was Man. referred to as internally at Bungie. Disappointed. That's <laughs> okay. I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm glad Monkey Nuts was a real thing. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, it was. Um, you know, I think that probably still would have sold pretty well. If it had actually shipped that way, right? <laughs> a different like, demographic. What? what is this? Uh, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna pick this game up. Uh, so, thank you, Mahmoud, for stumping everybody. And if anyone else listening has a good Xbox trivia question they'd like to try and stump the panel with, please send it my way. The email address is unlocked at IGN.com. Please include the question for multiple choice answers. Note the correct answer, and don't forget your name and optionally, your Xbox Live gamer tag as well. 
Well, Luke, I want to thank you for hanging out with us, talking, uh, you know, just taking a little trip back down memory lane for most of the podcast here to the 360 era. And now is the part, now that everybody's gotten to know you a little bit, where give yourself a plug. You're on social media and, and the podcast. Let people know where they can find you. Sure, sure. You can find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost, and you can find uh, the Xbox Expansion Pass on all your podcast services, uh, including YouTube, though it's just a static audio file. I, won't, I don't have the producer talent uh, to run video or the time, I suppose. Um, but you'll find uh, a host of different interviews from Xbox exclusives like Shredders and The Gunk, uh, and one time, at one point Death's Door, to more recent voices like Ed Freeze and Lauren Landing and Jeff Steitzer. Uh, and then upcoming in the next few weeks, the, the Anti-Grab Racer read out two uh, by three, four big things. Uh, I'll have an interview with them. And John McLaren, the voice of Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, is joining me as well. And, and so uh, I, would, I would be grateful if anybody checks out the show. And if it is your pace, please give it a follow or subscribe on whatever platform you like. I, I welcome it. If it is, uh, it'd be a real treat if people checked it out. Excellent. Well, thanks for being here. It was uh, it was fun to podcast with you and talk some Xbox. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Stella, how about you? Uh, yeah, I'm Parallax Stella everywhere. Uh, I stream after work, six p.m. PST. I have been really getting into V Rising, which is different because everybody like, is. Yeah, it's been really fun. Also, who doesn't want to be a vampire? Vampires are coming back, so I'm very excited. Um, but yeah, I've been doing that. Uh, so yeah, also if you want to watch the Declassified episode that I was on, it's for the season finale. It is on Paramount Plus's, uh, YouTube, Twitter. So yeah, you can see it there. That is so cool that you got to do that and <laughs> you were a part I of know. that. Love it. That was the thing. I was, I was going to message you. I was like, hey, Ryan, this is the thing. <laughs> so I saw you saw it. So I was like, all right, it's fine. Oh yeah. Right. You teased it at the end of last week's, but you couldn't say what it I was, did. right? Yeah. 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 Well, excellent. Uh, that's, uh, and hopefully they'll have you back for season two now as well. That'd be fun. Yeah. Miranda. Oh, hello everyone again. It's me. I'm still here. Um, I don't know why I said hello again. I'm just thinking. I have so much to do. Anyway, okay. One of those things that we have to do is Vampire Survivors. So if you guys pick that up on Game Pass, which it is now on Game Pass, and say, "Hey, how do I evolve these weapons and other things?" Uh, you can check out our guide. We have a guide for that. And then, other than that, we have a lot of guides for other things. So please check them out. You can follow me at Havoc Girls and it's Havoc with a K everywhere on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, all those fun places. That's all I got. Excellent. And then I'm on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan, which is where I'll be doing the Twitter spaces tomorrow, Wednesday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern with, uh, with a few of the folks, a few of the leads from Halo, the TV series. So if you're interested in jumping in on that, please join us. Maybe you get a chance to ask a question. Uh, I would, I guess, probably issue a spoiler warning now. <laughs> if you haven't finished the entire season, you are fairly warned before heading into that Twitter spaces. But Looking forward to chatting with those actors now that they've they're at the at, they've completed the first season. I kind of want to talk to them about how they feel about things now versus you know before they started shooting. So for Super Producer Red, alongside our guest Luke and my regular panelists, the wonderful Miranda and Stella, I'm Ryan, and this was Podcast Unlocked, the Palindramatic episode 545. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>